for a moment that God pulled away the human veil. And all of a sudden, Peter, James, and John saw Jesus in all of his deity. What a wonderful... Then, lo and behold, of all the things, uh, here comes Moses and Elijah and gathered them. Uh, you talking about a mountaintop experience. That was a mountaintop experience. But then, like any mountaintop experience, you have to go down the valley. And uh, by the way, thank God for mountaintop experiences. I'm not against them. I'm for them. I love them, okay? But if we have to have constant mountaintop experiences, forget it. We're not going to do it. Because for every mountain, there's a valley. So uh, Peter, James, and John, along with Jesus, go back down to the mountain after this wonderful experience. And notice beginning with verse 14. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with, thee? with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And whithersoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Sad thing. By the way, God had given them the power to do that but they were not exercising that power properly. They'd forgot to pray. They'd forgot to fast. Different things, okay? And um, look at verse 18. And whithersoever he taketh him, he teareth him, okay? And he brought him to disciples, but they couldn't do anything. Verse 19. He answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, notice the dialogue between the father and Jesus. He asked his father, how, how long is the, <clears throat> how, long, how long is it ago since thou camest unto him? And he said, of a child. In other words, since he was just a little child, he's had this horrible spirit. Now listen to the father. And oft times it had cast him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. But, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Let's pray together. Dear Lord,
Thank you for Sunday. Thank you for church. What a joy it is to come and sit in Sunday school class and listen to your word being taught, to fellowship with other people, then to be able to come into the church and sing these wonderful hymns and rejoice together all the good things that God has done. Uh, Lord, you're, you are so good to us. Thank you. Thank you, dear God, for the opportunities that we've had today. Now, I pray you'd bless me as I try to preach your word this morning. Now, I recognize I'm totally dependent upon you, and that's not a problem. I'm glad to admit that without you, I can do nothing. But Lord, I'm also glad to say that with you, I can do everything you want me to do. So I beg for your power this morning. I'd like to be a blessing to your people. They've sure been a blessing to me in so many ways. Now, I'd like to be a blessing to your people, but the only way I could do that would be that you would take me and use me. Now, Lord, as, as best I know how, I yield myself to you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to notice again the dialogue between the Father and Jesus. Uh, Jesus asked the Father, uh, how long is it ago since this came into him? In other words, how long has he been possessed with this demon? And, and the father says, you know, ever since he was a child. And then after he says that, I want you to notice his statement. He says to Jesus, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Notice the statement. If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Question. Can Jesus do anything? Can Jesus help anybody? I mean, if we'd open up the floor for testimonies tonight, well, today I, I wouldn't have a chance to preach, so I'm not going to do that, okay? <laughs> but uh, we, we could all tell something about how Jesus has been so good to us and, and what he's done for us and so forth. If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Let's ask a few people this morning. Can Jesus do anything? Can Jesus help anybody? Uh, let's ask blind Bartimaeus. Hey, blind Bartimaeus. Now, he wasn't blind anymore, okay? But they still called him blind Bartimaeus, okay? Nickname stick, Amen. And uh, can Jesus do anything? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been blind all my life. He touched my eyes. I can see. Uh, ask the widow of Nain. She had lost her husband. Now her only son had, had died, and they're carrying him out to be buried. And they met a group of people coming their way. And one man leaves the group and comes and says to him, Lady, weep no more. Weep no more. My husband's dead. My... But she said, he touched my son, and he arose. <laughs> Can Jesus do anything? Uh, ask Simon the leper. Can Je Oh, yeah, I was a leper. He healed me. By the way, ask thousands of people all around the world today. Can Jesus do anything? Can Jesus help anyone? And millions of us will join a great chorus and sing, Oh, how great thou art! He can do any 
thing. So the man said, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And in essence, Jesus said, you've got the if in the wrong place. Okay. Uh, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. And he cast the demon out of the boy. And he was limp. He looked like he was dead. And Jesus took him by the hand and raised him up. If thou canst do anything, have compassion. And Jesus said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. So let's just spend a few minutes this morning thinking, can Jesus? Or let's turn it around. Jesus can. Jesus can. Number one, Jesus can save anybody in the world. The Bible teaches us very plainly. He is the propitiation, the sacrifice that pleases God for all. Not only believers, but for all men. For he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus can save anyone. There's nobody, nobody too hard for him. Uh, Paul testified to the fact, I was the chiefest of sinners, but Jesus saved me. By the way, he was a bad man, amen. Killed Christians everywhere. But one day he met Jesus, and Jesus saved him. Let me give you two or three simple things. Number one, Jesus can save the down and outers. One of my favorite stories is Mel Trotter, a drunkard. His little baby froze to death for lack of heat in their house. He took all the money Spend it on whiskey and, and gin and, and anything that would, would satisfy his longing for alcohol. And he came home one night and found his little baby frozen to death. He started to, toward Lake Michigan to commit suicide. And he went by the old rescue mission there. And somebody drug him in. He was about half drunk. They pulled him in there, and, and he heard the gospel, and even in his drunken stupor, God spoke to his heart, and Mel Trotter got saved. And he started rescue missions all over America. Jesus can save the down and outers. But by the way, the up and outers need to be saved as much as the down and outers. And he can save the up and outers. I'll never forget many years ago being in a church near uh, New Orleans. I got on the plane Monday morning, and I, I sat, and I was in the, the 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 seat next to the window, and there was a very distinguished man sitting in the center seat in the aisle where I was. And uh, I, I thought about trying to talk to him, so forth. But he didn't have any interest in me. All he had to do, was, all he wanted to do was flirt with the stewardess. 
And so I took out my Bible and just put it on the table after we got up in the air. And we hadn't been up in the air very long. He looked at me and he said, uh, could I ask you a question? I said, sure, what is it? He said, uh, are you a preacher? I said, well, yes, sir, I'm a preacher. And he said, uh, do you know a big fat fella that sings gospel songs? And I said, I know a lot of fat fellas that sing gospel songs. <laughs> but due to the popularity of the, of the program, I, I figured they was probably talking about the old time gospel hour with Jerry Falwell and uh, Doug Oldham singing. He said, I got in my motel room last night. My wife died not long ago. I got in my motel room last night. He said, uh, I turned on the television, and Lord me, this, this fellow was singing. Tears in his eyes. And he was singing about heaven. And he said, I knew my dear wife went to heaven. And he said, I sure wish I knew how to get to heaven. And I said, sir, I believe I can help you. And I took my Bible that day way up in there. I don't have 30,000 feet, whatever. And I showed this man how he could know he was saved and going to heaven. He bowed his head, asked Jesus Christ to be his Savior. After we had prayed together, he looked at me and he said, I practiced medicine for 35 years in Chesapeake, Virginia, and no one ever told me that. Huh? Have you ever thought, well, the doctor, he wouldn't want to listen to me. He was a medical doctor. My senator, he wouldn't want to listen to me. Uh, the professor in the college, they wouldn't want to listen to me. Uh, all these college kids, they, wait a minute. God can save the up-and-outers. And by the way, they need to be saved as bad as the down-and-outers. I'll never forget what happened after he got saved. He pulled out a roll of money out of his pocket. And they wouldn't like my roll, $1 bills, okay? <laughs> they were $100 bills. Now, he just kept pipping them around. And I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I said, you know, I, I didn't save you. And uh, I said, uh, God did that. You don't, you don't need to give me anything. He said, aren't you a Baptist preacher? <laughs> I said, yes, sir. He said, I've never known a Baptist preacher had anything. And he said, at least I'm going to pay for your airplane fare. And he gave me four $100 bills. By the way, it pays to witness. Amen. His son had run in the Olympics in Japan. He was a very famous man. God can save little children. Sometimes we as adults, we think, now little children can get saved. But if they want to get saved, they got to start thinking like an adult. Okay? Jesus said, you adults can get saved. But if you do, you're going to have to start thinking like a little child. Huh? You tell a little child something, they, they believe it. When my son was uh, real small, maybe seven or eight years old, Muhammad Ali was the greatest fighter in the world. 
And I could have said to Tim, Tim, I can whip Muhammad Ali with one hand tied behind my back. And Tim would run all over the neighborhood and say, my dad can whip that prize fighter with one hand tied behind his back. I thought about this not long ago in studying the life of Albert Einstein. He was a deist. He believed in God. But he did not believe in a personal God that could help anybody. I couldn't help but think about this. Nobody is too dumb to get saved. But some people are too smart to get saved. By the way, Thomas Edison, same thing. Most brilliant people in the world, they were deists. They believed there was a God at some But they didn't believe in Jesus. They did not believe in salvation by grace through faith. Jesus can save anyone. Doesn't matter who you are today. I got saved when I was 16 years old. Uh, I had two great thoughts that night. First thought I had was, this is wonderful. 16 years old. That was more than 10 years ago, okay? In fact, it was 71 years ago. Okay. And it's still wonderful, amen? But the next thought I had was, I wish my dad was saved. My, my dad drank a lot. He was a coal miner. Worked hard, made, made hardly no money at all. But and then every weekend he got drunk. And life was horrible at our house. And I prayed for my dad for about seven years. We was having a revival meeting at Black Oak Baptist Church. I went by my dad's house on Monday morning. And I said, Papa, we're having a preacher from Kentucky come preach a revival meeting for us. Here at Black Oak Baptist Church in Gary, Indiana. I, w I, wish you'd, I wish you'd come to church with us one night. And I'd, I'd, we'd had two weeks cottage prayer meeting. Every night I said, now pray for my dad. He's 57 years old. He needs to get saved. And uh, he looked at me that Monday morning. And he said, I was just talking to your mama yesterday. That if you'll come by and pick us up tomorrow night, I'll go to church with you. Wow. <laughs> and I, I, I went to work that day. I worked all day, but I prayed all day. By the way, you can pray and work at the same time, amen. I didn't eat lunch. I didn't care about eating lunch. I got home that night. We ate dinner, and I said to Virginia before we left for the house, I said, now let's pray again that the devil don't, don't uh, uh Get Papa to change his mind. We went by and picked him up. We had a little prayer meeting in the basement that night before the meeting, like we always did. And I said, fellas, my dad's here tonight, 57 years old. First time I've ever seen him in church in my life. He's here. Please pray. And everybody there prayed for him. That, that night, Brother Johnny Robinson from Kentucky preached a wonderful sermon. And it's a good thing he did. If he'd have pussyfooted around that day, I'd have shot him, amen? <laughs> but he didn't, I mean, and he preached a simple gospel message. And at the end of the message, I put my arm around my dad, and I said, Papa, I've been saying, praying for you a long time. 
I'd sure like to see you get saved. And he said, son, I want to get saved. And I don't remember what happened after that. I mean, I'd never shouted before. Uh, hadn't heard anybody else shout. But I must have shouted something because Brother, Brother Jones said, now the reason Don's acting like that, that's his daddy got saved, amen. By the way, about two weeks after he got saved, we were driving down Colfax Avenue. And uh, pastor a tavern called the Stumble Inn. If you didn't stumble in, you'd stumble out, okay? Stumble in. And my, my brother's car was sitting out there. My dad looked out with him and saw my brother's car. And he said, son, I don't know why in the world Bo wants to spend so much time at a place like that. And I thought, thank God he's saved. Can't even remember what he was two weeks ago. Doesn't matter who it is, Jesus can save them. You're here this morning. You've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You're listening to, on your iPad or your computer, iPhone somewhere. You've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. I got good news for you. Jesus can save you. In like fact, the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What you deserve is to die and go to hell. That's what all of us deserve. Every once in a while, I hear some dummy make a statement like, all I want is what I deserve. And every time I hear that, I say, no, you don't. Mercy, God doesn't give us what we deserve. Grace, he gives us what we don't deserve, amen. For by grace are you saved through faith. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. In other words, when you receive God's gift, that very moment you become a child of God. He came into his own, his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. You remember the Philippian jailer came, fall down before Paul and Simon. What must I do to be saved? And they said, be baptized, join the church. Give. No, 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 no. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And thank God he got saved. Amen. Jesus can save anybody. Number two, Jesus can make every Christian a happy Victorious Christian. Now, I look at some of you today, and you're not happy victorious. Pardon me, okay? You remember the little girl was, came home from church one day, and she said to her mom, said, Mama, and they were having a preacher that, that day for lunch. And, uh, Mama, I got saved today. And the mother said, Okay, okay, hon, I'll, I'll talk to you later. You know, I'm going to get dinner. The preacher and his wife are coming. And, you know, finally the little girl looked at him and said, said Mama, uh, do you have Jesus in your heart? And, and the mother said, oh, yeah, yeah, I got Jesus in my heart. And she said, tell your face about it, okay? <laughs> I believe the best advertisement for Christianity is a happy, victorious Christian. By the way, the way you get the joy of the Lord 
the way you can have a happy, victorious Christian life is to go all out for God. I mean, when you get saved, uh, thank, thank God salvation is a gift of God. And the Bible says, uh, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But the very next verse said, but, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk therein. In other words, you don't get saved by doing good works, but because you are saved, you do good works. And get all the way in, not halfway. I used to think the most miserable people in the world are wicked sinners. But then I changed my mind. You watch some of them, man, they're having a big time. Now, it's just for a season, okay? They're going to pay for their wickedness. But they're having a good time. I think the most miserable people in the world are people that are so cold that they can't be happy at a good hot prayer meeting or a good hot service in church. And when they're in the world, they're afraid that somebody's going to find out they're a Christian. <laughs> hey, you got saved? Get all the way in. Sunday school, Sunday morning. Uh, I used to hate for them to have a women's meeting in our church because I couldn't go. <laughs> huh? I mean, if, if they're having a visitation, prayer meeting, revival meeting, doesn't matter what, just get all the way in, soul winning, get all the way in. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, Wholly acceptable in God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Don't try to fit into the world. No, no, no. Come out from among them. Be ye separate, said the Lord. Hey, by the way, we're not going to win the world by trying to be like them. They're looking for something different from what they are. So get all the way in. A happy, victorious Christian, don't you like to see people like that? I think sometimes we need to reprogram our minds, like you do a computer. And uh, have you ever heard anybody say, well, it's Sunday, I have to go to church. Uh, they're passing a collection plate, I have to put something in. Uh, God's called me to preach, I have to preach. Uh, I, 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 the Bible teaches when I need to be a witness, I have to witness. Uh, if that's your thinking, uh, let, let's reprogram you this morning and think like this. It's Sunday. I get to go to church. Hey, by the way, say that with me, okay? It's Sunday. I get to go to church. I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. The offering place being paid. I get to put my tithe and faith promise in. It's soul winning night. I get to go out visiting. God has called me to preach. Thank God I'll get to preach. By the way, God called me to be a missionary. Oh, I have to go to some horrible place and I'll be... No, 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 no. God's called me to be a missionary. I get to be a missionary. And God can make every believer 
a happy Christian believer. Okay? Then one other thing. And I wish I had about an hour on this. Well, actually, I do, okay? <laughs> but I think this is what America needs more than anything else. God can make every home a happy Christian home. God can make every home a happy Christian home. Yeah, year, years ago, they had a restaurant in Chattanooga. It's a smorgasbord type thing. I forget what they call it now, but, you know, you could get all the food you wanted for a certain price. And we went there quite often because we didn't have much money. And uh, I sat with my wife, and we had another couple there with us, and I had eaten all my food off the one plate, so I went to get some more food. There were two girls standing there at the serving line, okay? And they were discussing marriage. One of them was single, the other one was married. And uh, the single girl said to the married I hardly ever meet any married people that are happy. <laughs> and she said, uh, uh, would, would you say that your home is a really a happy home? And the married girl kind of snickered and said, well, I guess I couldn't say that. So, you know, I was standing there in the line, and I said, now, girls, I wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but I couldn't help but hearing your conversation. But I said, you know, my wife and I have been married for 40 years, and I am a happily married man. And both of them nearly in unison said, really? <laughs> you're married and you're really happy? And I said, yeah. And I said, hey, by the way, I got a book that can tell you how you can have a happy home. And both of them, what's the name of it? The B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> the Bible. The Bible. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul said, Be not drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost, okay? And I, I, sometimes we say, well, that's so you'd be a good soul winner, that's so you'd be a good... No, no, no. That's so you can have a good home. No place on the earth that you need to be filled with the Spirit more than in your home. And then singing and making merry in your heart and so forth. And then the, I don't have time to turn to it today, but, but you, you believe me. Here, here's, here's what Paul said. Here's how you can have a wonderful, happy home. He said, number one, that you are to be in submission to one another. Now, a lot of men like that next verse, you know, wives, submit yourself and you don't know. Okay. They like to beat their wives over the head with that. But the verse before that said, submitting yourself one to another. In other words, uh, you submit yourself to your wife, husband. Okay. Try to make your wife happy. Uh, wife, submit yourself to your husband. Trying to make your husband happy. 
submitting yourself one to another. And then he said, husbands, and he did say it, wives, submit yourself to your own husband. Uh, he, you know, God would, Jesus Christ was submissive to his father. Nothing wrong with submission. A girl said to me one time, well, brother says, uh, I would not submit myself to any man. And I said, okay, be an old maid, okay? <laughs> but don't some, make some man miserable all his life, okay? Submitting yourself one to another. Husbands, love your wife, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. By the way, I'll guarantee you, if you love your wife the way Christ loved his church, you will not have any problem with your wife being submissive to you. Now, if you're a knucklehead that don't know anything, she's going to have a hard time, okay? <laughs> so submitting herself one to another. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And it's, it's the first commandment with the promise that you may live long on the earth. You say, well, Brother says my, my parents, they don't know very much. I know, but when you get older, they'll know a lot, okay? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, but bring them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Read Ephesians 5. Go home, read it together. God can make your home a happy Christian home. Can God? Can Jesus? Jesus, if thou canst do anything, have compassion. Jesus said, you've got the if in the wrong place. If you can believe, all things are possible. By the way, it doesn't matter who you are, Jesus can save you. It doesn't matter what your life may have been up to this point. When you commit yourself wholly unto him, he can make you a happy, victorious believer. It doesn't matter about what your home has been up to now. If you commit yourself one to another, if you love one another, if the children are obedient and the parents are teaching their children, it can be a happy Christian home. Most of my stories are real old. I don't know why. Many years ago, there was a queen in England that had a tradition. Once every month, she would go to a village someplace and go and spend some time in one of the, one of the villagers' house. Just a commoner, okay? And I never will forget when Queen Elizabeth uh, came to America years ago. Nobody's supposed to touch her. But they took her to a home down in Alabama. And uh, this one dear black lady, when Queen Elizabeth came in her house, she just grabbed her and hugged her. <laughs> and they had the picture of it, you know. She looked shocked. 
And then she looked happy, okay? Anyway, it wasn't Queen Elizabeth. It was another queen. And uh, there was, in that particular village, a lady by the name of Mary. And everybody called her Aunt Mary, Aunt Mary in England. Aunt Mary. And she chose, without knowing her, to visit in the home of Aunt Mary. And Aunt Mary was a wonderful Christian. And she was always talking about Jesus. And uh, several days after the queen had visited there, all the ladies were talking together, and Aunt Mary was there. And one of the ladies said to her, Aunt Mary, who is the most wonderful person that's ever visited in your cottage? And, you know, without giving a lot of thought, she said, oh, all of you know, a few days ago, the queen came, visited my cottage. She's the most wonderful visitor I've ever had. And the ladies began to laugh. Oh, you're always talking about your Jesus. What about him? And she said, oh, he's not a visitor. He lives there. You want your home to be a happy Christian home. By the way, if the children are the center of it, it won't be a happy Christian home. And by the way, fellas, if you're the center of it, it won't be a happy Christian home. And ladies, if you have to be the center of it, it won't be a happy Christian home. But I'll tell you how it can be a happy Christian home. It's to make Jesus the center of it. If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can believe. You got problems with your children? You got problems in your home? You need to be saved? You don't have the joy of the Lord? You don't have happiness? You're not a happy, victorious Christian? This would be a good time just to make some commitments today. I'm a lost sinner. If I died in my sin, I'd go to hell. I'm going to trust Jesus as my Savior. That'd be a wonderful thing today. Oh, I'm saved. But the people at work don't know I'm saved. I'm not a good witness. I'm not a good testimony. But by the grace of God, I'm going to be. My home is not really what it ought to be. Wouldn't it be a good thing, maybe, if some men and women would join hands and just get in the altar and said, by the grace of God, let's make our home what it ought to be. Wonder if there's not some Christians that you're not a good witness and you're not a good testimony for the Lord. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. I'm, I'm not a good light. I'm not a good witness. Can Jesus make? Oh, yeah. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Pastor's going to come and perform the, the invitation.